0: I'm Rob Skinner, and this is the Rob Skinner Podcast. Have you ever felt like there was a gap between what you're experiencing spiritually and what the New Testament describes? Have you ever wanted God to speak more directly with you? Have you ever wondered if your relationship with God is as deep as it should or can be? Have you ever wondered what Jesus was talking about when he describes springs of living water flowing from those who believe in God? If you have... You need to listen to this podcast because David Tackle, in his book, Forming a Work of Grace, talks about how to take your relationship with God to a deeper and more meaningful level. In this interview, he talks about his book and how a person can work with God to build a more interactive and satisfying connection with God. All this and more on the Rob Skinner Podcast. Welcome back to the Rob Skinner podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no regrets life, make this life count, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. It's April 11th, 2023, and I hope you had a fantastic Easter weekend. Here in Tucson, we were praying to have over 200 in attendance. Prior to COVID, we had several Easter services of over 300 people, and yet we haven't broken 200 in over three years. We started praying about it. I asked everyone in our church to pray that we would have over 200 people. And God blessed our Sunday service with over 220 in attendance. We were so fired up. It was just great. And we also had our first Spanish-speaking service after our English service. So at 1 o'clock, we had an English service. And then at 3 o'clock, we had a Spanish-speaking service. Angel Armenta is doing a great job leading our Spanish work. We also hired a great couple to lead our campus ministry Coleman and Alexa Gordon, they moved here from the Hampton Roads Church of Christ. They moved here at the end of March. It's great to have them and their son, Elias. About six or seven years ago, I read a book called Backpacking with the Saints, and it it was pretty good. I mean, I don't think I finished it, but it was kind of interesting because I was really getting into backpacking at that time and probably read it about 2014, 2015, In the book, the author talks about backpacking Aravaipa Canyon, A-R-A-V-A-I-P-A, Aravaipa Canyon in Arizona. I thought, where is that? I've never even heard about it." it. Turns out it's only about an hour and a half away from Tucson, where I live. And so I've been wanting to do that hike since I read about it six or seven years ago. So last week, I took my two ministry interns, Kevin Liu and Coleman Gordon, and we spent three days and two nights backpacking through 23 miles of Aravaipa Creek. And it's a, it's really an interesting backpacking trip because it's a combination of trail plus hiking in the stream directly. Our feet were constantly wet and the scenery was staggering. I mean, it was so gorgeous. It, you're hiking through the stream and these walls come right down to the stream, and the, the walls are like hundreds of feet high. It's kind of like the Grand Canyon on a smaller scale. You have to make reservations because only 10 people per day are allowed to be in the canyon. It was super bonding, very tiring, and we made a great memory walking, talking, and praying together. I'm looking forward to the CLIMB Conference November 30th uh, in 2023 in Dallas, Texas, and I want to ask you to please register to go. This Friday, April 15th, is the last day to register for the early bird discount of $125 per person. After that, it's going to go up to $150 per person. If you're listening to this podcast, you need to come. You're the type person who will be inspired and motivated by both the fellowship and the preaching. All you need to do is go to robskinner.com and look for the climb tab robskinner.com look for the climb tab and you can register right there. David, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here.
0: It's great. I, I got your name through Robert Carrillo who was talking about this concept of spiritual formation and I asked him, "Do you have any books that you would recommend me reading?" and he recommended your book and it was fantastic. I mean, it's it's a it's pretty comprehensive. It's about 400 pages but really really powerful on this this whole topic. Can you share briefly how you became a Christian?
1: Well, it was a long time ago. <laughs> I was probably 5 or 6 years old. Um my family had moved to a little tiny rural town in Minnesota. And uh, right across the street was a church that uh preached the gospel. And at the very, at, you know, in the 1950s, uh, we're talking the, the heyday of uh, Billy Graham. And so uh, evangelism was a big thing in, the, in those days. Uh, my whole extended family, cousins, aunts, uncles, everybody was being converted uh, in a very short period of time. And my mother explained the gospel to us kids. And uh, I went upstairs and asked Jesus into my heart and I I felt like a new kid.
0: Wow. Wow. Started early. Now, are you a full-time writer or do you have another career?
1: Well, I was in the computer industry for about 30 years. uh, Doing systems design and and another, uh, it was fun stuff. But uh, currently, I'm, I would, consider myself a, a semi-retired lifestyle and, and uh, it's writing and uh, speaking occasionally and working on different presentations for seminars and that's about it that and you know working on the house
0: okay so you you worked in computers so you weren't a minister can you give a little overview of of what you've done uh specifically since <clears throat> since college
1: Wow. Well, uh, college was a long time ago, but <laughs> it actually it took me 30 years to get my four-year degree. <laughs> uh, it was uh, uh, trying to work it around my, my computer career. Uh, but I finished uh, my BA, it was actually in, in group counseling in 1999. Uh, about that time, I was also discovering the work of Dallas Willard and a few other amazing ministries that were absolutely life changing. And uh, uh, we decided uh, to, I decided I needed to go on to seminary, I, I, I was done with computers, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to write mm. and, uh, and teach. And so uh, we packed up the car and truck and moved to Pasadena, and I went to Fuller Seminary when I was 50 years old.
0: Wow, now that's pretty late.
1: Oh, yes. Uh, it was interesting, too, to, to be around all these 25-year-olds uh, with, with almost no life experience. <laughs> and uh, we had interesting conversations. They were kind of baffled at what I was doing there.
0: Right. So you weren't a minister prior to that time, but you're getting a theology degree.
1: Yes, I wanted a, a Master of Divinity. Uh, I, I really had no uh, intention of ever being a lead pastor. It wasn't what I was called to but I knew I needed a a broader exposure to what had been done to the gospel over the years and uh, where the church was generally. And uh, Fuller was just a great place to explore my faith and ask a lot of hard questions and wrestle with things.
0: Okay, and so since that time you've been writing, and how many books have you written?
1: I've written five books uh, in the area of spiritual formation. And two books that I would call uh, addressing uh, uh, the renewal of the Western Church. And I've also uh, developed a 12-week course, very experiential course in spiritual formation, that is based on the forming book.
0: Okay, so seven books total. Yes. Wow, okay, so that's pretty prolific in the last 20, 23 years. Okay, let's talk a little bit about this This. Phrase spiritual formation. Can you explain what that means? I mean, this is in our family of churches, the International Churches of Christ. That's a popular topic right now, and but the name seems a little fuzzy to me. So I'm interested in hearing your definition of that, of that title.
1: Well, yeah, that's very important because uh, the, 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 the word is starting to get misused a little bit. Uh, some people think it's just a new word for discipleship. Uh, the thing is, and I, and Dallas Willard was very explicit about this, spiritual formation is not optional. <laughs> we are all being formed spiritually all the time by everything we do, everything we think about, everything that we let into our mind, uh, sometimes things that happen to us, our reactions to things, Everything shapes and forms who we become. We know, I mean, just look at the families we grew up in, you know, dysfunctional families have a huge impact on their children and, and uh, uh, loving families have a major impact on their children. So we're, we're being shaped and formed all the time by uh, our communities, our families, and our, and our faith. And, and really the way that our faith is taught to us so formation is not optional it's always happening hmm. what christian spiritual formation is is the idea that we can actually do things to direct and impact the way we are being formed so in other words if i learn how to spend time with god in 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 prayer and conversation and contemplation and whatnot. Uh, learn how to read the Bible through uh, fresh eyes. Um, These things will shape me as well. Spiritual uh, Bible memorization can help shape our mind. Um, uh, Careful discernment of our theology. There's a lot of crazy theology in our Western churches. Uh, Careful consideration of what we're being taught and think about it and does it make sense. Those things can reshape our life and uh and uh, specifically learning how to develop what i would call an interactive relationship with god goes uh, has tremendous impact on shaping who we are so the idea is that see we can we can we can make decisions to engage in kinds of things that will then shape us in ways that we could not do by direct effort
0: Okay, so and that, we're, we're formed both by our environment, but then there's also a part that we can affect, we can, we can choose to impact our lives in terms of yes. our, our growth now.
1: And, and, if we're, and if we're careful about it, spiritual what we normally call spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices can be an essential part of that. But we, we need to learn how to engage in those properly, otherwise they can just become more things to do.
0: Okay, so let's jump off there. So that, that's why I was thinking, I thought, why, why use this non-biblical term, spiritual formation, when you can use the word discipleship? And also there's been a lot written on this, I mean, through the ages, but I'm, I remember as a young Christian reading Richard, Richard Foster's book on, on this, the disciplines, and you mentioned Dallas Willard. He's, uh, he's been super um, influential Interesting to people like John Mark Comer, who's very popular right now in his writing, they it's it's very common to that he gets a reference um, in these in these books. So, why did you write this book, Forming a Work of Grace? Okay, what what prompted you um, that you go? Okay, we need a we need a new book on this subject.
1: Well, uh, you referenced the word just briefly. You referenced the word discipleship, and why did we come up with a new term? The word discipleship has just been worn out and abused um, and uh, has become really, uh, in, in many circles, the, the few circles that still even talk about it, uh, it, it has turned into either a behavior modification program or a, 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 a track that you can follow to get involved in a ministry in your church. Uh, it's really not about learning how to engage with God uh, directly, hmm. and and so um, spiritual formation, see, di- discipleship is has really been about what do I do, and spiritual formation is how do I become the kind of person who does those things. So there's a there's it's not just a new term; it's actually a new focus.
0: Right. Okay. Now, why
1: did I write the book? Yeah uh well <laughs> when i when i discovered the divine conspiracy by dallas willard in 1998 it felt like water to my soul it was the book i had been looking for for 30 years mm. but it was also incredibly dense and very difficult to read uh it's it's really not written to the average layperson, um but um and I, I would read a chapter and put it down for a couple of weeks while I sifted through it and thought about it, and then read another chapter and do it all over again. But over, over the following uh, several years, uh, between that and some other things that we encountered, uh, my, my life just changed dramatically. And my big question was, see, I had been incredibly involved in church my whole life. I was your, your uh, the, the person in the congregation that every pastor wants to have, <laughs> you know, because I could, I could lead an adult Bible class, I could teach, I could fill in for the pastor if he had to go on vacation, um, you know, I'd lead small groups. Uh, I, I, I had studied a lot of theology on the side. Um, I, I was, you know, I memorized a boatload of verses I could do the stuff okay and yet here i am at age 50 feeling like i'm living in a spiritual desert mm. now why is that mm-hmm. and when i encountered dallas willard's writing it was like how come nobody ever said this before it was like it was like a new set of eyes on what god was actually trying to do with his people mm. and what god wanted for his people and and it was like, wow, uh, how come this isn't common knowledge? And see, I'd been asking people my whole life, how come we can't, like you mentioned it earlier, how come we can't live what we see in the New Testament? You know, there, there seems to be this big gap. The more I learned, the bigger the gap got. Right. And it was like, <laughs> there's got to be an answer to this problem. Right. Well, this seemed like, I was finding the path finally that leads to the kind of life that i believed ought to be possible right well what i what i wanted to do with this book was take what i had been learning for several years and repackage it in a way that that was accessible to lay people um and, and so the forming, is, is, it's written as a book that gradually it builds on itself. As right. you go through the book, each chapter builds on the previous one and broadens this worldview of how God wants to be involved in our lives and how he can shape us and transform us to be, to, to be more and more uh, the kind of person that he created us to be okay. and to take on more of the character of Christ. And, uh, and so the, the, really what I put in the book was what I wish someone had told me 20 years earlier. Right, right. Well, I, I re- And, and that, was, that was the premise behind it.
0: Well, I'm so glad you did write it. And it, being in my 50s, it's interesting. You mentioned the 50s. I mean, I think there's, I, I'm looking around at those that I grew up with spiritually in, and a lot of people have drifted away spiritually and not just mm-hmm. those in the mm-hmm. 50s. But I think part of it is, they're looking for something else. They feel like, hey, maybe I was um I'm not, I'm not living the life that I imagined myself living, or at least what I was told I should be living. And I think that's that's something that's something that needs to be talked about. In the preface, in the introduction, you can contrast rowing with sailing. And you apply apply it to spirituality. And, and it's on the cover of your book. Why do you do that?
1: All right, it's it's uh, I find it to be a wonderful metaphor because uh, rowing is what I would call direct effort. It's trying really, really hard to get from point A to point B through a tremendous amount of direct effort. And I fight, I fight current going the other way. Uh, sometimes I drop an oar and I go in circles for a while. Uh, it just seems like that's the, that's the Christian life. Um, that most of us are familiar with well what if instead we could raise some sails and catch a wind Hmm. that would take us places Hmm. now sailing frankly if you've ever tried it sailing is hard work too but it's in completely different kind of work and it's what i would call indirect effort Hmm. you're not trying to make the boat go somewhere you're trying to catch the wind and let the wind get the boat someplace. Mm. And that spiritual formation, mm. rather than trying to directly force myself to say, "I forgive you," even though I can't stand you. Uh, I engage with God in ways that will change my heart towards you, and then I can speak forgiveness out of a changed heart. Mm. Okay. So I, I've caught the wind.
0: I thought it was a great. I thought it was a great analogy. I see. Here, although the listener can't see it in your uh, studio or your office, you've got a lot of pictures of boats. Where where do you live right now?
1: I live in North Carolina. I I actually have a collection of boats, (laughs) sailboats. (laughs) Uh, and the, the 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 painting on the wall was done by a former student in in the forming class.
0: Okay, so you are an and, actual and sailor. It's more than just a theory for you. I I
1: I, I can't sail worth beans. Um, <laughs> I am an apprentice sailor. <laughs> okay. And and so that fits just fine. I don't have to be an expert at this. I just need to learn how to to uh, raise the sails and, and catch the wind. Okay,
0: let's, let's dig more into that. In the book, you talk about a broken truster, that we have a broken truster. And can you explain what that means and what you're intending?
1: Well, it's a phrase I borrowed from Dallas Willard. Um, but the idea is that, uh, you, you know, if we dig deep enough, a lot of us have a lot of doubts about God. Uh, You know, if you've been in church for 30 years and exhausted all the resources they have there, and you still feel like there's got to be more, uh, maybe God's holding out on me. Or if, uh, if somebody I love dearly passed away too early, why did God let that happen? Or why did God let me grow up in this awful family that I had? Or, or, or we we have a lot of doubts about whether god is actually going to be good to us he might be good to you right but i don't know if he's going to be good to me and frankly i have a hard time finding him and he seems out of reach all the time i pray to him but i don't hear anything back and, and and it goes on and on so uh we 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 tend to trust ourselves or or not more than we trust god sometimes um and Uh, it's, it's just, uh, you know, relationships aren't, are pretty fragile in this world and we've all been betrayed or had our trust broken and we're, we're pretty, pretty hesitant to surrender Mm -hmm. to someone else. Right. And that's the broken trust.
0: Well, I thought that was very interesting because one thing that I, I, sense in my, in myself, I go, okay, there's, there's problems in my perception of the world. I you know, I, I know enough to know that I'm not seeing things as they as they truly are. And it's difficult to to you realize as, as a sinful person, as as a broken person, that our perception of things is not totally accurate. We're definitely looking through lenses that are are not clear. I mean, I think about my, my mom passed away last last summer. She she did not have faith in Christ. It it, it broke my heart. And, uh-huh. it, and it really made me, you know, just go, okay, why did, why did God allow that? You know, that Sure. it's hard. It, it It's really tough to figure out, okay, what's the right perspective to view that, you know, other people like, Hey, you know, think about it this way. Think about it that way. But I took it really hard. I mean, I've been trying for years uh-huh. to try to help her to become a Christian, but
1: uh-huh. you know,
0: you don't get an answer from God. You, you don't hear back from him. He doesn't, email you back and say, hey, Rob, here's what happened with your mom's situation. Although I'd, I'd love for that to happen, you know. And so I thought that was a very powerful, you know, insight that there's a, we have our trust in God is certainly broken at times, if we're really honest with ourselves. I mean, there's, you know, and we're, we're trying to get, <laughs> that's what I like about the book is you're facing some uncomfortable truths in our walk with Christ. Now, let's, talk a little bit about this. You really go after common areas of Christian discipline. Bible study, prayer, fellowship, church attendance, you know, all, all those different things. And I'm a minister. I've been a minister since, you know, 1987. So I'm like, hey, wait a second. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've preached well, on those things. And so I'm like, wait a second. Why, so why are those things so bad, quote unquote, and what would you replace them with?
1: Yeah, they're not bad at all. I, I, I heartily recommend all of them. My, my comment though is, is the context in which we practice them. Um, Many of us have been taught that, uh, you know, all I have to do is read the Bible and it will help me. Well, there's some truth to that. But for many of us, reading the Bible feels like homework. Hmm. Okay, and it's not fun, and it's not life-giving. Right. We have to ask, why is that? Well, there's something different. There's something not quite right about the context and the way I'm approaching Scripture. Okay, and the same with prayer. We've we I've been I was taught prayer. There's a great acron- uh, uh, acronym, uh, Acts A C T S. Right. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Right. But if you look at all four of those, they're all about me talking to God. Right. And there's nothing there about me spending time trying to hear God mm-hmm. or receive from God. Um, so my, my, my complaint with the traditional things that we're told, you know, read your Bible, pray and get involved in church, is that. They're presented as, as if that's the be-all and end-all, and they're all efforts made on by us, for us, and none of them talk very much about interacting in, 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 a, in, a, in an interactive relationship. How do I interact with a God that I don't ever hear from? Mm-hmm. That's a real problem. We need to think about that.
0: Oh, Absolutely.
1: And, and if you read the New Testament, you know, I was taught you, you read these stories, you try to figure out what the, the characters learned, and then you try to apply that lesson to my life. Mm-hmm. Well, what if we could learn the way they learned? Mm-hmm. Which was through interacting with God. That seems that makes more sense to me. And so, uh, you know, we we... we there's nothing wrong with these practices, but it, it, they're not an end in themselves, and they don't produce things automatically just because we've done them. we if, if they're part of a relational context in which we're learning to relate with God. In fact, if I can sit down with the book of Ephesians, in the presence of God and with him and knowing that he's here with me and going to help me read this passage life springs off the page hmm. it's not homework hmm. it's life-giving mm-hmm. so that my my the, the point is we need we need a different lens and it, you talked about a lens uh we need a lens to help us with these practices and a way of approaching them and a context within which uh, we do them that makes them life-giving instead of just more stuff to do.
0: Right. And I think that's very powerful because as a minister I've come to realize that for for I would say most members, that's exactly how they view reading the Bible. It's like homework. It's like I know I Uh should do it. I don't Mm -hmm. really like to do it. And so they, you know, maybe they'll read a a passage, a Bible plan in the U Version Bible or scripture or something like that. Say a short say a short prayer. But there's nothing Nothing powerful, no connection there that's given.
1: Yeah, I was just reading. Uh, I've just been reading, uh, rereading a book by David Benner, uh, who I really appreciate, uh, and and it's called. I think it's called Opening to God, and in it he says, "Don't don't pray because you ought to, pray because you can, hmm. and because it is a way. It, prayer is the soul's natural language." Hmm. It's the way that we open the windows of our soul to God and receive from him. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a relational event, not just words that we say because, yeah, I should say these, or I should ask, or I should confess. No, it's a, it, it's a, it's a, it's a way of being right. with God. And, right. and that, that, ch- that changes everything about prayer.
0: Yeah, it, I think this is so good. I, I love what you're saying here. Now, on page 148, you write, the law may restrain us from more evil, but it doesn't remove the bent in our heart that wants to go in the opposite direction. Yeah, I, I thought that was really powerful because I thought, oh, that's, that's me right there. Can you,
1: can you expand on that thought? Well, Paul Paul wrote extensively about the limitations of the law, and uh, in fact, in, in Acts thirteen, he's he's preaching a sermon, and and he says that every everyone who believes in Christ can be set free from the sins from which you could not be set free by the law. Mm. Uh, and, and then in romans uh, he talks about the the law is a, it actually condemns us it doesn't free us it condemns us it was meant to be a life-giving but it turned out to be disastrous for us because all it did was highlight what we can't do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the law doesn't change hearts and if i if i'm a strong-willed person i might be able to force some of that I can clean the outside of the cup. I can make some of that look right. right. But I can't, the law doesn't change your heart. Mm. And I can't change the heart by an act of the will either. Mm. Mm. So what, what happens is that if instead we learn how to interact with the Lord and receive from him so that in, in a way that allows him to do something in us that we can't do for ourselves, mm which which by the way is the real definition of grace uh then 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 god can do something in us that the law can't do in fact Mm -hmm. romans 8 2 says god did something Uh, romans 8 god did what the law can't do Mm
0: -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. the uh, the law of the spirit of life in christ jesus will set you free from the law of sin and death so um we, you can't just set the bar and try to live up to it we can, that doesn't work and jesus didn't just raise the bar you know it, it, what he did is came to give us a completely different way so that we could if you change the roots then the tree becomes different
0: right right
1: uh he ta- he used those kind of metaphors well I and thought... so uh the, the the law is is it's it's a light It shows us what's true. Right. But it 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 lacks the power to change us.
0: Right. Well, that's what I thought was so powerful because when I look into my own, you know, nature, I realize, okay, I want to do what's right, but it's very clear to me that there's a part of me that doesn't want to do what's right. That's just just it's fighting hard to indulge in lust or in greed or in self advancement or uh, mm-hmm. Conceit. I mean, it, it's, cert- it's certainly there. And I think the more honest we are about it, it's just like, okay, that's still with me. And this is a, a major, major challenge.
1: Yeah, yes.
0: Um, you, you know, you, and, and, go ahead.
1: And, and this goes back to the whole idea of spiritual formation. Because what we want to do, see, discipleship sets the bar. Traditional discipleship Mm -hmm. was the way that that the church has been practicing it for a long time, just sets the bar and says, try to do these things. Formation says, how do we become, or asks a different question. It says, how do we become the kind of person Mm. who can live from the inside out from a changed, transformed life Mm. so that those things come out of us by nature rather than an effort to override our nature? Mm. So it's, it's about becoming a different kind of person, uh, cleaning the inside of the cup, have, letting God write his laws on our heart.
0: Right, okay, so that's that's super attractive, but at the same time, it seems very elusive. So let we're gonna, yes. probably gonna come back to that. Now you may have already touched on this, David, but in on page 268, you say that our struggle is that our internal belief system has been malformed. <clears throat> So how do, I guess, I agree with you <laughs> that it's been malformed, but how do we repair it?
1: Uh, uh, through developing an interactive relationship with God. Okay. And I mean I mean interactive. I mean learning to, uh, I, 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 I almost hesitate to use the phrase, hear his voice, because it's not audible, generally but we need to learn how to receive and listen to what I would call spirit to spirit communication. Paul mm-hmm. talks about, we receive these things in our spirit from the spirit, and uh, we, we need to learn to, to hear what God is, is speaking to us. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, later, later on in the book, Informing, we talk about inner healing prayer and inner healing process. And that is, um, we can expose these these inner things to God, and and wrestle with Him about them, and He can then speak into those areas and change us in ways that we can't get there by ourselves. Uh, I give a number of examples. Uh, probably the, the one of the biggest. I mean, some of them are very dramatic, some are very simple. But um, for example. Uh, i grew up in a what i would call a emotionally hostile family about the only emotions that were really approved of were were rage and contempt uh, there was there was no very few expressions of love and care and uh uh or or encouraging one another that that didn't happen um so um and it was it was it was it was painful quite frankly and Mm. by the time i left home i I wanted as little as possible to do with these people Mm. and and i would often go back home for the holidays if you want to call it that and they would often end up in fights and disagreements and name calling and it's like this isn't this isn't fun um and so over the years, I, I, I built this massive resentment and anger, and sometimes I would call it hatred, towards my family members. And but I knew that a good Christian doesn't live with this. Of course. So I would quote, repent, tell God, I'm sorry. I don't want to be that way, you know. But you know, six months later, I discovered nothing's changed. Mm. Uh, well, once I learned that you could, uh, what an interactive connection with god looked like and that he could speak into these areas i took this problem to him and and i spent several days just arguing fighting i wrote out all the things i hated about my family Mm. why they were mean-spirited and what was wrong with them and uh, i just sat with that for a while I i finally just quieted down and what do you got God I I'm I'm I haven't got a shot at this I don't I don't know how you even stand those people I got this picture in my head of my family out in about 12 feet of water struggling to breathe and stay up stay afloat mm. and they would you know what a drowning person grabs the person next to them pushes them under uses them as a flotation device <laughs> and then that lasts for a few seconds and someone grabs them and this just i'm watching this thrashing mess of Hmm. humanity out in the water and it dawns on me just boom they're not being mean to each other they're desperate Hmm. and it broke my heart and i never felt the same way about my family again wow now that's one of more dramatic experiences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But see, this is God speaking the language that I could get. It would be different for somebody else. Mm. He he used a picture that worked for me. And it broke through my defenses, it broke through my my misconception of what was going on. Uh, and and it touched my heart deeply. Wow. He can do this over and over and over and over with everything that we misunderstand and misconstrue uh, and the the places where we can't forgive, the places where we carry wounds, that every time we think about them, they hurt. Hmm. Uh, He can speak into all of these areas and heal every single one of them.
0: Okay. Okay. That's that's powerful. It makes me think about how I became a Christian. I mean, I I had a dream one night uh, that I was, you know, trapped in a in a dark place, and I thought I'm I'm like in hell. I can't get out of this. And I I realized I I'm I'm in a bad, really bad spot. And it wasn't long after that that I became a Christian. But I I knew God was really communicating mm-hmm. with me in a way that I yes. was I was ready to listen to. So you're saying yeah. He's got a lot of different tools if we'll pay attention, to communicate yes. with us. Yes. Okay.
1: A lot of it happens to me just even when I'm reading the Bible. It doesn't have to be like, I've got this problem, God. What can you do about it? I'll just be reading the New Testament somewhere or, or part of Isaiah or whatever and, and trying to be attentive to, you know, for me, when I read the Scripture, I want God to lay my life right alongside the Word and show me both at the same time like where am i and what does this have to speak into my current you know and and uh, i'll be reading along and all of a sudden just just like a light bulb comes on in my head and it's like wow i never saw i've read this a hundred times i never saw the significance of that before Mm. that's important Mm -hmm. um that's 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 god being a mentor right uh Jesus said that he'd send the teacher and he would bring us all truth. Mm. And, and if, if we are paying attention, he can do that all the time. Mm. And we just, we become more and more acquainted with, with the heart of God this way.
0: In, in chapter, in the chapter, you talk, you have a chapter on self hate. And I thought Mm -hmm. this was really, really a powerful chapter for me. In in page three, on page 306, you talk about impossible standards and the shame that this creates in our lives. And all of you know, I'm talking about when you start talking about self hating, Oh, go, that's, that's not me. You know, I'm, I'm definitely not a self hater. But when you start talking about that, I'm like, oh, wait a second, hold on a second. Okay. Then in page 316, you write, our worth doesn't depend on how well we measure up against the Apostle Paul as a standard of behavior. And I thought, oh, he's talking directly to me here because. Paul's a real inspiration to me. I mean, as a, as a college student, like, I want to live like Paul. I want to plant churches. I want to do these things. And at the same time, it's both exciting, but it's also can be a ball and chain because when I read the experience of Paul, what he's experiencing, what he's talking about, his relationship, his view of God, I go, I, I'm an infant. This guy's talking about stuff that I don't even, he's, you know, it's, it's graduate level stuff. I don't get it. That's not my personal experience. And, and so just really, you know, it, that impacted me personally. So there's a lot here, but how does an ambitious person find peace with God? It seems (laughs) like, you know, the natural response, I, I go, okay, just take your marbles and go home. It'd be like, just, just quit, quit trying. Quit dreaming, settle for spiritual mediocrity. You're never going to get there. So I I, I want to have a little bit of a discussion with you here on this topic of self-hatred and, you know, um, too high of standards, impossible standards you mentioned.
1: Right, right. Well, gosh, uh, there's a number of ways to come at this, but uh, one of the things that we struggle with is we we tend to, I call it the view from below and the view from above we tend often come at uh, at the christian life as a view from below like where where am i in relation to you know the the kind of life jesus lived or the kind of life paul lived uh you know what's what's quote expected of a christian uh, being giving and generous and and you know. Um, but that's, to me, that's a view from below. That's like trying to trying to compare myself to a standard. And in trying to imagine how in the world am I ever going to get there. The view from above is God loves people. He created the universe because he wanted a big family. Hmm. And when I'm, I'm one of his children. And he delights in coming alongside me, wherever I am on this journey. And I really like, I really like a journey metaphor. Wherever I am on this path, he wants to come alongside me and and help me avoid the mud puddles and show me the next step. And and cast a vision for what's over the next hill and uh he just delights this journey with me and that's what gives me value god loves me and wants to be with me Hmm. and he wants to mentor me and grow me up Hmm. to be a mature child of god but um it's it's so it's it's not about we all and we all come at this from different places you know, some people have to get over, you know, drug addiction uh, and, and, and cravings that just drive them crazy. Some people have uh, physical handicaps that they struggle with and, and it changes their view of God. Um, so we're all at different places on, this, on these journeys, but God wants to come alongside every one of us and move us along, show us what's next, show, and mostly reveal his heart to us. Mm so that we can be with Him in the journey. It's not about arrival. It's about being with on the road. Where we are really doesn't matter. It's whether we're in motion, or whether we're engaged with God.
0: After reading my my notes yesterday, I, I in this section in particular, I, I pulled out Luke 15 about the parable of the lost son. And in another section, you talk about how our relationship with God is, it's relational. It's not transactional, and yes. it, boy, it's it's so easy to fall into that trap. You know, it's like, hey, if I do this, I'm going to feel closer to God. And it, 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 re re reading that, I thought, okay, hold on a second. That's that's what the older son thought, you the yes the good son. He thought, hey, if I do such and such, I'm gonna I'm gonna be in good standing with my dad, right? Um, but the story shows something completely different.
1: Yeah. Yeah, frankly, both sons missed the father's heart. That's the point of the story. Right.
0: But it's 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 tough to internalize. That's, that's the challenging part. You know, it's not like that's the first time I've ever read that passage, but it is so easy. And it, it made me just think, okay, I need to be happy in my relationship with God right now, yeah. not once I yeah. do X, Y, and Z.
1: Well, one of the reasons we wrote forming and created a course an experiential course for it was because the things that we're talking about probably can't be apprehended cognitively you're not gonna we we can't just understand it and then suddenly it becomes reality it's like it's like you could read about riding, right if you've never ridden a bike you could read all about bike riding And you still wouldn't know how to ride a bike and you wouldn't have the experience of bike riding. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You have to get on the bike and learn what the balance feels like. Mm. And so the reason we designed a forming course to go with the book was to walk people through this process so that they begin to experience what a connection with God feels like. And then all of a sudden, the light bulbs come on and say, oh, my gosh, God actually wants to be with me. Okay. He wants to show me what life is about. So if someone. And, and it's, it's it's a reality that they experience. And then all this cognitive stuff suddenly makes sense.
0: Got it. No, I I totally agree with that. that you have to participate in it to really understand. Yes. It. Just, just reading it alone is not going to do it.
1: Participation, how, participation is the key word.
0: Okay. So how would a person, I wasn't going to talk about this now, but how would they join your course? Is that something you offer online? Is there a website to go to or what yeah, is that? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Now there's a, it's called formingcourse.com. There's, it's hyphenated, forming-course.com. And that'll give you everything you need to know about the course and how to find the videos, the teaching videos, and where to get the workbook
0: okay and what's the fee for the the course
1: uh the videos are 49 dollars, and it's, and it's permanent it's, it's a permanent subscription great uh and and after you've been through, you know i would recommend that you get it uh if you've never seen anyone else offer this course that you 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 get four or five six people together that are all interested in moving forward in their life and uh And work through it together you don't just kind of a leaderless group just fumble through it together Mm -hmm. and after you've been through it uh you'll you you'll want to you'll want to share it with your friends right okay The, the feedback that we get from everybody is how come nobody told me this before and this changed my life we hear it all the time
0: okay i'm gonna go ahead and reveal my weaknesses here because for those who need bullet points and action items. Um, (laughs) What can a person do or stop doing immediately to improve their belief system, to overcome their malformed truster, and to start uh, growing in their desire to do what's right? I mean, this this course sounds good. The book was fantastic, but give me some practicals. I'm, I'm an incredibly pragmatic person. What what could I start doing today or stop doing today that would start helping me to, um, you know, become the person God God's called me to be?
1: Wow. Uh, well, f- practical. Uh, I I, I want to start with vision, um, and that is just to just to believe that an an interactive relationship with God is literally possible. And that God wants it more than we do. Hmm. And then step two would be to begin uh, learning how to participate in that interactive relationship. Learn how to spend time with God, for example, uh, uh, listening to him while we read the Bible. Looking for letting him help us with that. Learning how to I, I highly recommend journaling because it forces us to slow down. Uh, we, we tend to speed read the Bible or assume we already know what it means because hmm. we've read it before. John Ortberg says we need to pry, try to read the Bible as if this is the first time we've heard these words and. Uh, and, you know, try to get what, what is the author thinking while he's writing these words and. What does God want? Why did God inspire the author to write these words? And, you know, ask a lot of questions Mm -hmm. as we read the Bible. Um, I find questions are just incredibly helpful. Like, Like when Paul says something outlandish, like, I want you to know the power of resurrection in your life. One of his prayers in Ephesians that I pray that you would know the power of resurrection power. Well, we need to stop and ask, what in the world are you talking about, Paul? (laughs) I know. It seems pretty boring to me half the time. I what power are you talking about? Right, right. Well, that's a good question, and it's worth wrestling with God about. Mm -hmm. God, I need to know more about this. Right. What power are we referring to, and how would I know it if I saw it or felt it? um and and do that with every phrase so that paul's paul's prayers in ephesians are incredibly they're probably the most powerful prayers in the bible right spend weeks going through that don't just don't read them and say oh i did a bible study on paul's prayer you know it it took us an hour and we answered five questions Hmm. fill in the blanks no you could spend a day or more on every one of those phrases wrestling with God and trying to asking him what they mean and asking, what, what has this meant to me in the past? Have I ever seen this? Have I ever known this? What would it look like if I experienced it? Um, And, and just, we need to learn to read the Bible this way. See, Jesus said, you read the, see, too many of us are what we call people of the book. Um, we read the we we expect to figure out what the text means and try hard to do it. And Jesus says the book points to me. Mm-hmm. The whole point of reading it is to get pointed to Jesus and interact with Him about what we just saw in the book. Mm-hmm. And, and that way, the book is life giving. But we need we need the Holy Spirit to teach us what it means. Right. We can't figure it out.
0: Well, that's an interesting thing you bring up because you talk about the, the importance of the Spirit, but that's that's the challenging part is how do you recognize the Spirit at work in your life? That's, that's what I wrestle with. I go, okay, the Spirit is so prominent in the New Testament writings and yet yes. feels so invisible in my personal life. I want to it's hard for me to spot the footprints of the spirit in my, in my personal life and i'm going okay he talks about how the spirit guarantees our inheritance in Ephesians uh-huh. chapter 1 i go okay that's that's awesome but how do i spot the in the spirit in my own personal life
1: right well uh yeah this this gets to some interesting stuff one for one thing uh this isn't something i can explain in a podcast of course um um wh- most of us almost all of us truly need to be mentored in how to hear the spirit and how to in how to sense the spirit how mm-hmm. to recognize the move of the spirit on, across our soul that, that that we we need to we need help with that and i've tried the best that i could in, in not only in the forming book but i've written a a, a larger book called whispers uh, that the whole point of the book is learning to discern and, and have conversations with God. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, I've tried the best I could on a printed page to mentor the reader right in that process. But the idea is that it's, it is a learned, there's a learning curve to this. Right. And, and, and just like, When you pick up the phone, not knowing who's on the other end and and a familiar voice speaks, you know who it is and immediately, you know, the character of the person and all Mm -hmm. of this comes to mind because you're familiar. You've heard this person talk to you 100,000 times. So um, the same is true with the Spirit of God. We learn gradually to detect and sense and hear. And there's things that we can do to foster that. Mm. And and again, one of the the best ways is begin with the scripture as a springboard for your conversation, because you're already starting with life giving words. Right. And then ask the spirit to to embellish that, Mm -hmm. to to help you reflect on it, to to ingest it, to chew on it. Um, and, And things start coming to mind that you hadn't thought of. Right. that's the spirit helping you right um, and as and, and gradually we we discovered that oh that's I can tell by the the energy and the life in a thought that that wasn't mine mm. that was the spirit of God
0: right sometimes you can feel it in your body the way your body reacts yeah. to Absol- uh, a passage absolutely. or you, you can sense the excitement you know your body's mm-hmm. it's very subtle but you can definitely tell. Mm-hmm. Um, in in your own body.
1: Yes. You know, this is Uh,
0: a very, I really appreciate you coming on the program talking about your book because I thought it was a very powerful book and something that very helpful for me personally. So if a person would like to read your book, where would they get a copy? Where can they find it? Well,
1: yeah, certainly on Amazon. Uh, All all my books are there. But uh, I would also uh, if you go to, my, I have a website called kingdomformation.org, uh, which is my primary ministry site. That's where, and, and on there, you'll find a list of books that I've re- written and a, and a list of books that I recommend. Okay. Um, and, and, the ones that I, and I have a, I have a third party, uh, distributor as well. It's called humble shack. Uh, humbleshack.net and my books are available there Uh, i i i I like to suggest people buy them there instead of amazon because then you're supporting two ministries instead of uh, a a very rich man
0: (laughs) Uh, okay and then you can also get your 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 course on forming which would be good in a small group sounds like at forming hyphen course c o u r s e dot com Yes. Forming course. Okay. Yeah. Let me ask and, you this and, final question, David. What advice would you give to a person who wants to make this life count and live a no regrets life?
1: Eternal life is to know God. We were made for relationship with God. And I mean relationship in the full sense of the word. Not just like a relationship we have with our favorite author, but an interactive meaningful, tangible relationship. Mm. That's what we're designed for. And everything else needs to fit into that. And that's a life worth living.
0: That's awesome. I, in preparation for this podcast yesterday, I was, I was wrestling with some stuff that I just was very unsettled in my spirit. And I just decided, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take this into, you know, put this into practice, what he's talking about here. And I just sat down, you know, in the presence of God and I just said, Hey God, this is what I'm wrestling with here right now. And it was very helpful, you know, just instead of running away from God and trying to solve the problem and then come back to God, once I solve the problem, just say, Hey, I'm struggling here in this particular area. What, what, how, you know, I don't have an answer for it, but I just want to bring it before. I need your help in this. It was, it was very, very practical and helpful. So, really appreciate your book and what you've helped help, helping to do
1: I have, I have one more suggestion for you uh, since you mentioned you're with the International Church of Christ do you happen to know a guy by the name of uh, Byron Parson?
0: Yes mm-hmm.
1: Well he, he's uh, an amazing uh, minister who has taught forming to hundreds of people. Uh, you might want to have a conversation and, and interview him.
0: That sounds um, that sounds great. Maybe we'll have a follow up conversation with
1: Byron. So see what he's doing in your in your in your denomination.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it, and thank you for what you're doing and helping people. I think it's absolutely vital uh, for people of any age. Or, or walk with God. Well, thank
1: you so much for having me. I, this has been uh, wonderful. I, I just love talking about this and and uh, helping other people across this bridge that took me 30 years to find. So,
0: Thanks for listening to the Rob Skinner Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, I'd like to ask your help and support through one of the following. First of all, hit the subscribe button. Secondly, read one of my books, How to Plant and Grow a Church or Courage, How to Make This Life Count. And finally, support the program financially by going to the TucsonChurchOfChrist.org website and going to the Donate tab. Look for the general fund when you give. Your tax-deductible gift will help me to plant five or more churches by 2030. I really appreciate people who have given already, and it's been super helpful. People like Melanie Yu and others have been so generous. It's making a difference because my goal is to inspire you to make this life count, Live a no regrets life and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Have a great day and make this life count.